Hey guys, it is Rebecca Price. I hope that you guys are doing great. Um, it's cold today and I don't, <laughs> I tell you what, I've never in my life seen weather this temperamental in South Carolina. It was beautiful yesterday. It was warm. Um, beautiful, beautiful day. And then I wake up this morning and it is rainy and it is windy and it is, it is, ugh. and I'm like, I'm gonna have to pull my hoodie out. So, I mean, I even saw people swimming in the pool yesterday, and now it is rainy and cold. Doesn't make any sense, but anyway, hope you guys are doing great. Um, happy Monday. Thankful for another day to live and to, to worship the Lord and to serve Him. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, so, as I learn things and as I read the Bible, um, my, my, uh, as you learn things and learn the truth, your perspective should shift. So I was reading something over the weekend and I showed it to my husband and I was like, well, look, you know, and what's interesting is I've read the Bible, you know, I've read books of the Bible before, but sometimes you'll read the book of the, a book of the Bible and it's literally like reading it for the first time. And I had that experience over the weekend. Um, I was reading about, I was reading enrollments and then I, I started in first Corinthians and some of it was like I was reading it for the first time. And I praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit, for his illumination and in the word, because I, I would read it and I'm like, oh, you know, it almost like it clicked for a minute. And so uh, one of the things that my husband and I kind of have have had a battle about is the issue of money in the church. And I read something in First Corinthians that uh, that the Lord showed me. And I was like, oh, so this is okay. Because we were going back and forth and we were like, is it right for ministers to, is it right, you know, what's the right context for finances in the church, for ministers to be supported and things like that? Is it okay? Is it not okay? You know, what what's going on? And um, and so I'm going to read the word and I'm going to read what, um, what the Lord showed me, what, you know, what the, the passage says. And we'll talk about it for a little bit because I think money in the church is a big issue. It's something that me and my husband have struggled with. You know, what's the right context of, of the church and ministers being paid and things like that? Because it's, it's, I think some of it comes too from it, from, uh, bad experiences, because if you've been in an experience where you have a minister who, who, um, steals money or, or mismanages things, or you have things like that in the church where, where, you know, money's supposed to be going to one thing and it goes to another thing. And, and, you know, you have to be careful where you sow things like that. So let's, I want to look at scripture real quick and, and just show you guys what God showed me. So, um, I actually found, uh, the, the Samsung voice recording app, just like I used on my other phone. So I'm like, woohoo. So I'm going to go to scripture real quick and, here we go. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 9, um, the first part of it, and then I'll talk about what the Lord showed me, okay? So this, the title of this section says, Paul surrenders his rights. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves 
as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure everything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground of boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I'm still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. So, Paul actually says in this section of scripture that he talks about, he says, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So, is it right for ministers, for us to support ministers financially? Yes, it's right for us to support them, whether it be by clothes or food or housing or whether it be money financially. It is right to support ministers of the gospel. Now, Paul here said Apparently, from, from the context, from what it sounds like is, um, they, the people that he was ministering to, they apparently didn't think that ministers were supposed to have all that, that we're not supposed to give ministers anything, or they're not supposed to reap a reward or anything like that. And Paul's like, you know, who, who doesn't expect to gain something, you know, is a farmer going to plant a crop, but not reap from that, you know, expect the harvest. And he's like, you know, we're working for the Lord. And so is it not wrong, is it not right that we can reap some of the benefits as well from that? And so Paul is saying, I have a right to request that of you. I have a right to demand that from you because, um, because of what the Lord has said. But he said he didn't. He said, but you know what? I, I don't want anything to get in the way of preaching the gospel. He said, I, you know what? If I'm not going to exercise that right because I would, I don't, I would rather preach the gospel and and win people then be concerned over material things or be concerned over money so what i drew from the scripture there is that are we as the people of god to support those who who minister the gospel those who proclaim the gospel you know should we support them yes we should i mean it says that in scripture um it says yeah it says that in scripture so my husband and I were going back and forth about this and, and so there, there is a pastor and I won't say his name, but there's like a famous pastor that has what's called an honorarium that they ask for. And 
and this particular pastor has like a $200,000 honorarium that he asks for when he goes to churches. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I believe in, in giving to ministers. I believe, you know, according to scripture, it says, okay, we, we give to the ministers of the gospel. Those who proclaim the gospel, we, we make sure that we support them in that ministry. But my thing is, for someone to demand $200,000 before they'll go and speak at someone's church or someone's event, you know, my husband had the, the viewpoint of saying, well, but you've got to think about their church and maybe that's how much it costs for, for him to pay the staff and stuff like that. But then I backpedal and I go, okay, but what is the ministry doing? Because the Lord says in the Bible, he says that we are to go into all the world and make disciples. So if his ministry is his ministry dis making disciples, that's my question to examine whether to me a ministry is effective is the area of discipleship. So is it right for, you know, and, and here, is it right for, for that? So let's, let's push that to the side. I'm kind of going in different directions. So let's say that this guy's going to come speak at a church. He demands $200,000. They can't meet that. Is it right for him to say, well, then I can't do it. Sorry. I don't think so. Because Paul said here, he said, look, he's like, you know, I have the right to demand this from you to, to, you know, demand support from you guys, according to the Lord, because the Lord says it's, it's right that, that we reap some of the benefits and some of the material things. However, he said he gave that up because preaching the gospel is more important. Also, I think, so I think in a situation where a church couldn't meet that, they say, well, we can only give you this much, you know, um, if he shuts that down and says, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Then in my opinion, I, th I think that's wrong because what's more important, the material things or the, the preaching of the gospel that people come to know who Christ is, you've got to, you've got to weigh what's more important. Cause to me, that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, you know, preaching the gospel is more important. So I'm going to surrender my right because you know what, if it means that more of y'all are being one, you know, then that's fine, right? If it means that, I mean, that's, that's what's more important is that the gospel of Jesus being preached. Um, so I don't know what you guys think about that. We, we were going back and forth about that. And I, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting. It's just an interesting way to think about things today. Now, here's what I will say, and I've said this before. I do not believe that, that churches requiring the tithe is biblical. Tithing is an Old Testament law that was for the Levitical priesthood. Because I believe that the way the churches are getting more money out of people today is they're instituting an Old Testament law and they're saying, you better tithe or your finances are going to be cursed by God. But we're in the New Testament. All right, we're in new covenant. And Jesus talks about giving. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. He says, be a cheerful giver. So I believe that it's wrong for churches to institute the tithe because that is an Old Testament law, but it is right for the church to talk about giving and to say, listen, given it shall be given unto you. That is what the Bible says. And, and teaching the teaching people how to give, how to be good givers and understanding that everything that we have belongs to the Lord. Not just 10, 10 of, of, of our stuff doesn't belong to the Lord. A hundred percent belongs to the Lord. And so that we obey the Holy Spirit and we give. We, and when we give, we give cheerfully right? When we give, you know, don't, don't give under, under, you know, obligation, you know, God wants a cheerful giver, a heart that loves to give because God loves to give. He's a giver. 
So that's what I believe. I believe it's right for churches to teach giving. I believe it's wrong for churches to teach the tithe because to me, that is a desperate attempt to get more money out of people um, using an Old Testament law and saying that people are going to be cursed if they don't. You know, my husband and I, we give, but we do not tithe and God has not cursed our finances. We're not cursed. We're not under a curse. You know, we're, that's, we're not. So anyway, but as I was going, I was, I was thinking about this whole thing about, about money and supporting ministries and things like that and supporting ministers of the Lord. And so then I thought to myself, I said, you know, you have to be careful. You have to be careful who you sow into and where you're giving, because again, I go back to the effectiveness of a ministry. Um, you know, is, is a, are you sowing into a false teacher or you're sowing into a false person? Um, there's that question is recognizing false prophets and false teachers because they're not going to use the money for the kingdom of God. They're going to use money, uh, for the, for whatever, for, to build their own kingdom, to build their own agenda. So we have to use wisdom and discernment to say, to examine the men of God or women of God or whoever that are ministering to us, um, and that we are, we are ministered under, um, oh, and I was going to say something else. What else? What I was going to say. And again, I, I say examine ministries too. examine. I, this is why I think it's important that we examine the church today. And we ask ourselves, how effective are we being? Because if the goal is to make disciples, I do not believe, and I've said this before, that the mega church model works. My husband and I have been to, uh, uh, we visited a mega church once and um, I mean, you know, the, the teaching was, was sound, but, um, but it was just, we felt so, you feel like an ant. You really do. You feel like an ant in, in this huge place, in this huge crowd. And I'm sitting here to my husband. I'm like, how in the world does discipleship even happen in a place like this? Um, how, how does discipleship happen? Because it doesn't, that's just the point. It doesn't conversion does because people are like, you know, we had this many salvations. We had this many salvations. That's great. But what happens next? Because when I look at the model of discipleship in the Bible, when we look at Jesus, Jesus, you know, they traveled around, they ministered to people. He, he, you know, he, he taught about the kingdom. He taught the gospel and, and, and he performed miracles, you know, and, uh, and, and the disciples performed miracles in his name. But how many did he disciple? He discipled 12. And so I look at that and I look at the model of Jesus. And to me, that's communicating that Jesus is saying discipleship is better in smaller numbers. Because to me, if, if discipleship was better in these huge uh, numbers with like 100,000 people or 50,000 or 10,000 or whatever, then Jesus would have discipled a whole, a whole lot more people. But Jesus discipled 12. Now, some people could argue and say, well, Jesus's time was limited on the earth, um, and so he could only, he only had time to disciple 12 and then just sent them out to, to disciple others and things like that. Um, but discipleship, I mean, I, if you think about it on, and I, I think that's one of the biggest problems that mega churches have today is they may have all these material things and all this stuff and it may, they may have lots of people, but what, what is their rate of discipleship? Because in order to create disciples, what did the disciples of Jesus do? They lived life with Jesus. They, they followed Jesus around. They ate with him. They, they traveled with him. They, they ministered with him. He, they, they ministered under Jesus, you know, 
with Jesus and then Jesus sent them out, you know, to minister and stuff like that. So, so it's an intimate setting. Discipleship is more intimate. It's more close knit. And how do you do that with a church that has 5,000 people? And so when I think about, uh, with sowing, sowing financially, sowing financially into places, you know, what place, places that you sow and places that you give, uh, is ask yourself, is the place that I'm giving effective for the kingdom of God is for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man for the kingdom of God are disciples being made because if there's lots of converts, but there's no disciples, that's an issue for me. It's an issue. Because, I mean, well, think about how dangerous that is. Think about how dangerous that is to lead someone to Christ. And that's wonderful. And they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they believe and they have faith. But then all of a sudden, they're left alone. And, and you know, what, what do you do? Who do you connect them to? Because you can't even disciple someone by giving them materials. It can help. You can give them a book or devotionals or things like that to read and say, you know, this is going to help you in your start and in your journey on the Lord. You need to connect them to someone. They need to be connected to someone and say, hey, this is somebody that is going to help disciple you on your in your life of Christ and ask yourself, do you have that today? Even in small churches, do you have that? And my whole view has switched. And I've said this many times has really flipped on its head about, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of people view these mega churches as they're super successful because they have all this money coming in. They have all this stuff, but I look at a ministry, the way I look at a ministry is successful is not necessarily of the financial state of the ministry, um, because, you know, because it, it's, it's, I mean, yes, financially, I mean, if, if people are taught properly to give, you know, as, as Jesus tells them to give, then I believe that the financial state will be, will be good. But here's what I'll, here's what I'll say is I don't look at the finances. I look at discipleship. What are they doing to disciple people? How many disciples are being made? And then are those disciples making disciples after a period of time? Is that kind of a model there? And if that kind of a model is there and lots of disciples are being made, yeah, I want to sow into that ministry because that's biblical because that is because that's what Jesus told us to do is to make disciples. So we see here biblically that, yes, it's right for for those who proclaim the gospel to make their living off the gospel. It's it's right for those who proclaim the gospel to um for us to support them again food clothes financially to give to them that's right for us to do that here's what i will say be careful who you sow into be careful who pray about who you sow into because even jesus said in the last days that lots of false teachers are going to arise and they're going to say they're going to say this and so so you need to be careful if you're going to sow into a minister or a ministry you're going to support be look, look at a lot of things, you know, look at the minister, look at what he's teaching. Is he teaching the word of God? Okay. Um, and then if you're going to sow into their ministry as a whole, look at the effectiveness of the ministry. Is the ministry effective for the kingdom of God? Okay. And if you want to know where it says in the Bible that, G, where, that Jesus says that we're to um, uh, make disciples, let me find that for you. I'm going to look this up real quick because I know I quote that a lot. And so I want to make sure that um, 
let's see if this app will work because sometimes it's kind of yes so matthew 28 19 says um and this is before it's the great commission he said go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to observe all that i commanded you behold i'm with you always to the end of the age so and some people will say well he says teaching them to observe all that i commanded you so all you know we should be responsible for as ministers of the gospel because we all minister i mean we all you know we all minister to a certain degree it, it just says to teach them so then is is it not enough that people just teach people in the church well no because if you look at jesus teaching um is done in many different ways Teaching is not just done in word, but it's also done in action, all right? If you think about a teacher in a classroom, if all a teacher does is get up there and talk to the kids, uh, you know, and, and that's it, there's going to be very limited learning. But if a teacher demonstrates, all right, if a teacher, to me, the best teachers are the ones that get kids out of a box and go outside and show them. I, I, um, I uh, saw this... Uh, video of this family that decided to go off grid and they love the off grid lifestyle. They don't, they, um, you know, they, they use essential oils and stuff for medicinally. They've, they haven't been to the doctor in I don't know how many years because they, you know, they've learned to live off the land and things like that. And it's really cool. And so the mom teaches the kids, the mom teaches the kids. Uh, but what I love about it is the father says our kids have an advantage in the way that they learn. They don't just sit at a table and learn. We give them real life, everyday solutions they have to solve. So if there are problems, because they have kind of a little farm, if there are problems, he'll go send his kid. He'll be like, solve this problem, fix this, do this. And the kids learn hands on by doing it. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just sit him down and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the word once. And then I'm, I'm, I'm leaving by, he said, walk with me, do life for me, show me these things, you know, whenever the, the 5,000 were fed, what did the disciples come up and say? Well, they need some food. And, and Jesus said, you feed them, you know, it's almost like you solve it, you know, uh, you feed them like challenging their faith in, in him and, and, uh, and everything. And, and it's just really cool to see how Jesus discipled, but Jesus discipled he decided, you know, it's not just in words. So people coming to hear the truth of the gospel is great, but that doesn't really help them. That doesn't really disciple them. It teaches them, right? But there are many different ways to teach for effectiveness. Again, look at how Jesus discipled. He ate with them. He traveled with them. When Jesus uh, ministered and uh, did miracles, they were there. And, and they even, and they were even, you know, casting out demons. And then there was an instance where a learning, a learning season where a learning season, a learning, what am I, uh, what am I saying? Sorry, my words are getting caught up. Um, a situation, there was a situation where they couldn't cast the demons out, you know, and they said, why couldn't we cast this one out? And then Jesus, what does he do? He says, because this is by prayer and fact, but has to be done by prayer and fasting. So there are instances where the disciples, he's saying, watch me, then do what I do. And then, you know, if you, if you have questions, come back and ask me, or there's going to be opportunities for me to insert learning and things like that. So teaching is not just declaring the word it's, and that's why the church to me is not as effective today because 
Discipleship is not a focus. Making disciples. Um, and to do that, you have to have smaller groups. You have to have more intimate connection. Now, some people say we have life groups and all of that stuff. I don't even think life group life groups work. Because they can work. But even in a, in a church with thousands and thousands of people, um, when you... When you make discipleship a part of everyday life. It's different than just saying, we're going to come together once a week and we're going to meet and have a Bible study. When you really get down into the nitty gritty of discipleship and you make your church about discipleship and you, and it's not just, we're going to meet and study the word once a week. It's we're going to implement this daily in our daily lives. We're going to spend time together. We're going to go out into the community and minister, uh, that to me, that's, that's what it's about. That's what's effective because a lot of churches today, one reason that I think that they're ineffective, ineffective is they want to stay inside the four walls. They come to our church. Well, the church is the body. It's not the building. You've got to get out of the building. Jesus didn't stay in the building. Okay. Jesus didn't, you know, there were times where, where Jesus got up and read in the synagogue or whatever, um, or in the temple or whatever, but he didn't, he didn't stay didn't stay there. He traveled. He taught on hillsides. He taught. He there was one time where he taught out of a boat. So Jesus didn't stay inside. He went outside, and that's what the church needs to do because the church today is saying we expect the lost to come to us, or they or or they say get the lost and bring them in. Uh, but if we're to reach the world, that's that's the opposite mindset. If we're to reach the world, it needs to be. So here's what we need to do. We need to go out and reach people. We need to go out and then we can, we can disciple them. You know, we can meet in homes or whatever, and we can, we can discipleship. We can do ministry together. We can go out again and do ministry together and then send them out. But it, but today it's become a membership club where you need to become a part of our church. We're going to stay inside. You need to bring more members into our club stay inside the four walls and when we and we're just going to keep building this place where and 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 your reach is very very limited if not because lost people aren't going to come to a church they're just not you know they're not going to drive by most likely and say hey I'm going to stop there no you have to go to them you have to reach them this is why you see Jesus going to eat at Zacchaeus's house this is why you see Jesus sitting with a woman at a well this is why you see him eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and things like that he didn't sit in the church and say okay I want they're just gonna come to me they're gonna come to me no we have to go to them and so I believe if the church does a like does some rebuilding like demolishes and does some rebuilding and say okay we're going to be about discipleship this means that we have to have smaller groups we have to have smaller sex and that discipleship has to be is not just a bible study once a week it has to be more involved than that and then getting out of the four walls i think it's okay it's okay to meet inside meet inside uh a church to have a, a service or worship or preaching or whatever it's okay but if that's all, if that's the only place that you are all the time, what effect are you having? What reach are you having? How are we supposed to make disciples of all nations that way? You can't. You can't do that by just staying in a box. You can't do that. And so 
you know, and, and people and teaching people the correct form of giving. Not if you don't give 10% to God, he's going to curse your finances. But if, but all that you have belongs to God and you give cheerfully as the Holy Spirit leads and you give according to the word of God. And, and you, and and if you teach that, you know, God says to support ministers and things like that. I mean, of course, you know, you're going to have some people that aren't going to give, that aren't going to give, you know, you're going to have some people that are like, well, you know, but that's on them. That's on them. You have people now that don't give. I mean, the tithe is in place and you still have people that don't give. People, if people aren't going to give, they're not going to give. There's, that's not something you can make someone do. And the fact that some churches are like, well, we want your tax returns and you have to do, no, 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 no. That's not giving. (laughs) That's, that's like, you know, it's almost like being taxed, you know? So anyway, so I think, so looking from that scripture, so I, I was corrected and, and, and shown by the Lord, you know, you are to support ministers. Um, but there's also the balance of who are you, you know, us using the wisdom and saying, who are you being ministered to? Are you being ministered by a true, if someone who is, if someone who is proclaiming the gospel is, is to get their living from proclaiming the gospel, you need to look at them and you need to say, are they a false teacher? Are they teaching what is correct? Are they truly a minister of God or are they masquerading as a minister of God because they're trying to steal your money? Because that exists too. So using wisdom and discernment and just say like having your heart open to the Lord and saying, you know, God, um, you know, you guide me in this, you know, you show me, show me, you know, lead me to people who, uh, true ministers of God who need support, who, who, that I can support, that I can give, that I can help. Or, or ministries, um, ministries that are true ministries that are, um, they are doing what's, they aren't doing what's correct according to your word. Cause here's what I, I believe is, is coming. I do believe that there are ministries that are, that are going to rise out of homes. I'm a big firm believer in the home church model, uh, but out of homes and that are going to do th- do things properly their focus is going to be on discipleship and their focus is going to be in in what the what the modern day church is missing out on and has missed out on they're going to be focused on you know healing the sick casting out demons in jesus name and the power of the holy spirit uh, they're going to be focused on the correct things. I believe because I believe that there are people and I myself in this way, my husband's this way. We've met friends that are this way that are hungry. They're hungry for the, for the church authenticity of the church, because what, you know, and, and I, be, there are some ministries out there that I do believe that are doing these things. I believe they're few and far in between, but I do believe that they exist because the modern church today looks more like a, a, uh, business, almost like a, um, Almost like a, uh, a a fair, almost like a theme park in 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 in, in, a, in a sense. You know, you go and and you know, here's your T-shirts, here's your coffee, here's your here's your this and that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having food or drink. You know, I think you know, even in in house fellowships, it's fun to have food and drink and stuff like that. But I believe that the purpose of the church, like what our mission as the church is, has been lost today because we're so big on build, you know, fill this building and grow this building and grow this in, and, and the way we do that is through this, 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 and this rather than the mission of discipleship and saying, okay, if this is what the Lord has told us to do, 
that we need to disciple, then we need to be the church, regardless of how many, you know, if we have 10 people and we're, because the, the church is the gathering of believers. If we have 10 people, then we need to be the best we can at discipleship, at discipling others. You know, that leading people to Christ and then not, don't lead them there, then leave them there. <laughs> leading them there and then discipling them. We just need to be good. And, and there's lots of churches out there that, that know that, that know that the Bible says discipleship. But then discipleship turns into, we're going to have a Bible study on Wednesday nights. And that is our discipleship. We're going to have these small groups. And they're going to meet once a week for Bible study. And that's discipleship. That's not discipleship. That may be a part of it. You know, teaching, teaching more intimate, uh, in smaller groups, more intimate teach the like verbal teaching and in the Bible, in, in the Bible is part of it, but that's not all of it because that's not all that Jesus did with his disciples. Jesus was a lot more hands-on with his disciples in regards to them actually ministering together and doing things than we are today. So anyway, I'm done, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to, to read this part of scripture cause I know and just kind of talk about this because I know that I, that that financial finances in the church can be a touchy subject. I know that it is for me and my husband and has been for a while. And when the Lord showed me that, I was like, okay, well, that piece of the puzzle there, God revealed to me. And I'm thankful for that. And as I said before, I'm learning. Like, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to look at you and tell you I've arrived. Like, the Lord is, the Lord is teaching me and growing me and I, I don't stop learning until the day that I'm I'm taken from this earth. I'm going to learn till the day I die because that's what teachers should do. That's what that's what children of God and disciples of God should do. We should constantly learn and constantly seek, and we don't ever need to get to a place where we where we're satisfied and we've said, "Well, I've sought God enough. I'm just going to take a break." No, no, because the mysteries of God are just they're never ending. And God wants to show and wants to reveal and wants to correct and wants to shape. And we have to be humble enough to say, um, to receive that. And we have to be humble enough to say, okay, you know what, God, I thought, I thought it was this way, but you just showed me that the correct way, you know, you're, you're sharpening my thinking. You are maturing my thinking. So, and we've got to have the, we have to have the humility and sometimes it's hard. I mean, sometimes you, you'll think something's one way and then God will show you, yeah, you really weren't right in the way that you thought. And it's like, oh man, man, I was wrong. But at the same regard, be thankful for that. The more you learn, I mean, the, the more you learn, the more you grow and the more you grow, the more effective you're going to be for the kingdom of God. So I love you guys. And I'll come at you later with another podcast. Be blessed and have a great day.